Hello and welcome back to The Daily Royal, a podcast that covers the daily events of all the European royal families. Happy 2021, guys. We made it to the new year. Um, Just briefly going to apologize for being completely absent for the last, uh, basically, month. Um, You know, I'm not going to go into it a whole lot. My life fell apart for a little bit. We're back. Everything's good. Um, and refocused, recentered, um, back on this. Um, yeah. It's amazing. So, uh, today is January 1st of 2021, and we are really just going to talk about all of the, um, end of the year speeches from all seven monarchs that we talk about. Um, So that's the plan for today's episode. Uh, Tomorrow is going to be about kind of like a highlight reel of 2020, which is hard because 2020, Um, but a highlight reel and maybe like a um, here's where we're going type of thing. Pretty much everything is going to stay the same. Um, I'll be back to five times a week. Um, Things have changed a little bit on, like, the back end in terms of the way I'm prioritizing and managing everything. But you don't need to know all of that. Um, Websites are still – website is still up and running. Instagram's still up and running. And that's what we're keeping. Um – so Twitter will be used sporadically, um, probably just a lot of retweets through in 2021. Um, Facebook is probably going to be the same thing, you know, if you follow me over there. Um, shares, but not um, independent content, at least for the first six months. That's where I foresee this going. Um, and then, you know, in six months, hopefully things are going well still, and I can figure things out again. Um, That seems to be the process. So with that, the way we are going to do this breakdown of talking about all the different speeches is (laughs) we're going to talk about Christmas Eve speeches first. So that's Belgium and Spain. Christmas Day, which is uh, the UK, the Netherlands, and Sweden. And then we'll go with New Year's Eve, which I am recording this on New Year's Eve. So it's not 2021 yet for me, which is weird. Um, but there's like, what, six hours left, essentially. Um, so and then so we'll talk about the New Year's Eve speeches, which were um, Denmark and Norway. So without further ado, we are going to jump right in and start talking about Christmas Eve speeches. So I will definitely be touching on this more um, in tomorrow's episode, but because these two happened on New Year's Eve, or Christmas Eve, sorry, I'm getting all my holidays mixed up, because it's that, like, span of two weeks where no one knows what day or time it is. That's where I'm at right now. Um, But I just want to, like, give quick props. Again, we'll talk about this more in tomorrow's episode. Um... 
to the Belgian and Spanish royal families, they went through, aside from just a pandemic, like, so much other stuff. Like, truly each royal family did, but, like, Belgium and Spain stood out the most, and they have handled it so well. And then their speeches were some of my favorites. Um... And so I just want to, like, start by saying that, like, mad props to them because this year was hard and it was exceptionally hard on their, like, um, I guess rain, like, I don't know. There was so much stuff that just happened and so, like, the way they have handled this year just immensely amazes me. So, with that... We are going to now um, just kind of go into the details of each um, each speech. Sorry, I'm pulling up my document right now um, because why start it, you know, why, why pull it up before I start recording? That's crazy. Um, so here's the rundown on Belgium with, like, some of the specifics, my favorite part. Um, so King Philippe gave his speech at um 6 ish p.m and maybe it was seven um in belgium at the end of like an hour-long live program for the belgian citizens um so this was kind of simultaneously live streamed on each um public news station in Belgium. So it was, you know, simulcast in Dutch and French and all of that. Um, This is not normal. So this isn't how this is normally done. Um, This is a 2020 thing because, of course, it is. Um, You know, in Europe, they are having some really strict, like, really strict lockdown measures, um, really to prevent a huge wave of COVID. Um, and so a lot of people in Europe are not with their families, um, weren't with their families. And so they did this so, like, everyone could feel connected to each other, all 11 million Belgian citizens, plus anyone who live-streamed from outside of the country, um, could all just feel included in this day um so that happened and then at the very end of that uh was Philippe's speech but I want to talk briefly about the 45 minute program before the speech um where the very first like uh shots of this um kind of like a holy crap it's 2020 and like this is how we're celebrating Christmas um montage um but the first few clips were of each of the six members of the belgian royal family uh, visiting um like senior care facilities um so they were paired up into obviously pairs um and so the first video was um princess elizabeth and prince emmanuel um visiting and playing like games and stuff with senior citizens um and the next it was prince gabriel uh, and Princess Eleanor, and they were um, helping with, like, food, um, you know, carrying boxes of cans and stuff like that, um, and then the final pairing was King Philippe and Queen Mathilde, um, and they were at a senior center just talking with the residents there. 
Um, so that was like a really cool thing. Um, this wasn't a super official engagement. Obviously it was videoed. Um, and so this does make it the first official engagement that uh, Princess Elizabeth has done without her parents. She was with her brother, but it was her first one without her parents. Um, so it, it was pretty important. Um, but yeah, so, and then came Philippe's seven minute speech. Um, so obviously this is going to be a running theme. We've got seven of these to talk about. And the running theme is mm, they all talked about COVID because it's 2020. Of course they did. Um, sorry, I'm moving around a lot. Let me, let me resettle and stop. Okay. Okay. I'm back. So, um, it was, of course, focused on COVID and very specifically in this situation, the adaptations that have had to be made for uh, the holiday season. So, not leaving, you know, a pod or even your own home um, to spend the holidays with your family like would be normal. None of that obviously was happening, um, especially in these European countries where people are being pretty good about the pandemic, not, you know, comparable to here in the States where we suck at it. I tried. I still sucked at it. Um, so that was what he talked about. And then he also, um, this was like my favorite quote where he says, um, it being the pandemic has made us see things differently and appreciate things differently, which like, how true is that? You know, I'm seeing all of these end of the year reflections on Instagram and other social media accounts. And it's like, you know, 20, when we started this year, we thought we were going to be able to get, have everything we wanted this year. You know, it was like our year to shine. It was going to be great. Right. Like, I think almost everyone went into that. I went into it um, being, you know, really optimistic and like, okay, this is my year to achieve a lot of the things that I want to achieve. Um, I did all of that, which is great. <laughs> but 2020 also taught me like achieving and meeting all these goals and, um, all of that isn't really all, I mean, it's not all that life is, right? Like this year more than ever, I enjoyed being outside and spending time with my family in a more small setting um, situation because like I couldn't hang out with them all at once, which honestly worked better for me. Like I loved that it was one-on-one -on -one time. Um, I loved it. Like, it did teach me a lot, and it taught me to appreciate things differently. And so I think, like, that's super important. Um, and so I I liked that Philippe's speech really did talk about, like, the silver lining of 2020. Because, like, yeah, it's been a really, really tough year. But, like, it did definitely have its benefits. Um <laughs> You know, I'm not saying that the good outweighed the bad, but, like, there was good in this year. And so I think it's great that he highlighted on that. Um, and then he finally, like, he finished his speech. That was in English. Um, he finished his speech with a message for younger people, like children, um, about where he recognized, like, how hard this year has been on them. Um, 
and acknowledging that their lives have been put on hold. Um, and then he finished about like, this will soon be over, you know, soon we'll get back to normal next holiday season. We may be able to hug our family again. Um, and I just think like, yes, because I think it is good going into 2021 reflecting on like, okay, there's a vaccine. There is some light at the end of this tunnel. Um, you know, next year, yeah, we actually may be able to hug people um, again. And I think that that was really important that he mentioned that. Um, and so that was King Philippe's speech. Um, it was followed by, and we might talk about this tomorrow. I think he is the only one who had approval numbers. Nope, he's not. Um, but he, it was followed by like his annual approval numbers and We'll talk about all of that tomorrow, but, like, he came out of this year with flying colors, um, just given how hard the year was, um, just a little bit of reflection for me. Again, we'll talk about this more tomorrow. When I started this podcast, probably, like, a week later, maybe two weeks later, um, it was announced that King Philippe's father had, um had a child out of wedlock, um, through an extramarital affair throughout that year, that child, um, Delphine has been given a title, um, has had her last name changed and like has kind of started life in the Royal family or at least Royal family adjacent. Um, like it was just a really dramatic year and like Philippe has come out of it with flying colors. So that was his Christmas Eve speech. Um, and now we are going to move on to King Felipe's speech in Spain. King Felipe gave his speech. Um, it was a pre-recorded speech um, at 9 p.m. because when in Spain, uh, you stay up extremely late. Normally, doesn't have to be a holiday. Um, it's normal to stay up late. You know, children are still up at 9 p.m. in Spain. Um, so his was broadcast then. It went live. Um, like it came out of embargo at 9 p.m. Um, and then it was also streamed on YouTube by basically every news channel, but also by Casa Real, which is the royal household. Um, and before the, um, the 15 minute speech, it was preceded by like an hour long video year in review uh, that Casa Real puts out every year. This was not their first year doing it. This is something they do every year. Um, but I was shocked that it was able to be an hour long because for 60 days, King Felipe and Queen Letizia were in confinement because all of Spain was like no one was leaving. No one was going anywhere um and so they were you know having video calls but they managed to make it 60 minutes which was crazy um and it was like a lot of repetitiveness because that's what the year was for everybody um but like they did it in a really good way so i was impressed um and then the following that on youtube the message was then broadcast to a record breaking 10.7 million people in Spain which we'll talk about why in like one second um 
but 10.7 million people watched this speech, which is crazy. Um, I don't, I still haven't figured out if it's like good or bad yet that so many people watched this, but it was an impressive amount of people anyway. Um, so again, the speech, you know, generally focused on the pandemic, uh, with a specific focus on healthcare workers and like, again, the silver linings of the pandemic where, um, people throughout Spain have really learned to work together in this common goal of, um, protecting each other from COVID. Um, so he of course talked about healthcare workers and then the effects on the economy, but how everyone has banned together to keep smaller businesses in, um, in business and keep people safe and like do all the things that need to be done. Um, and so he then, you know, talked about how the COVID response is a national effort. Um, he commended the Spanish people for their resiliency. Um, and then he talked about how like he and Queen Letizia had seen a lot of that resiliency in person during their tour of each, um, of the autonomous communities where they met, I mean, they met nonprofit workers and, you know, sanitate, uh, when I say sanitation, I mean like garbage collectors, um, which are so much more important in a pandemic than you would have ever thought. Um, and like, they just meet with the people doing the work. Um, so he talked about that. Um, and then, <laughs> and then came the part that I'm assuming is why 10.7 million people tuned in. Um, it's what I was looking for. I mean, I was looking at it as a whole, but like when I was watching it live, um, or reading it, like it's what I was reading for the first time. Um, and it was whether Felipe would directly and or indirectly talk about the situation that the Spanish royal family is in. Um, we've talked about this a lot, but former King Juan Carlos, who is King Felipe's father, um, did some shady stuff while he was king and after um, he is now voluntarily in exile in the United Arab Emirates. Um, and like more and more drama has just come out. Um, the use of credit cards not in his name um, by him and some of his family members, again, not King Felipe, Queen Letizia or their children, um, but some other members of the family. Um, and just this, like, Juan Carlos had this general feeling of superiority that he could do whatever he wanted because he was king. Um, and he's getting caught over and over and over again. Um, and so that has been a big thing for the Spanish royal family all year. Um, that drama came out initially, it started in... <laughs> About the same time frame as the pandemic, um, it was maybe three days before the pandemic really hit and lockdown really hit. Um, and so it's been not buried, but like hasn't been at the forefront of everyone's mind because we're living in a pandemic. Um, and so what he ended up saying and talking about 
he did everything indirectly. He never mentioned his father or any of the, what I call shady stuff. That's my personal opinion um, of it. Is it shady? And you don't get to do that. But he, uh, Felipe, focused a lot about his commitment to democracy, his commitment to being an ethical head of state, um, and being transparent and being communicative. Um, and, you know, now that it's, what, seven days later, we're learning that he has talked about or he is part of conversations about um, reforms on the monarchy and like what their power is and what they can do and what they're responsible for. And he's open to a lot of it. Um, and so I think, you know, it was, I'm glad he talked about it in the way he did. I think it was good. Um, I was hoping that he wouldn't go super direct because that would be all anyone talked about, even though it's still all anyone's talking about. Um, but then he ended with what is potentially my favorite thing from, you know, everyone, um, every monarch this year is that, um, he ended with, it will not be difficult for 2021 to improve upon 2020 because y'all 2020 has been rough um and so I appreciate that each monarch has pretty much acknowledged that um and I applaud Felipe for saying like it'll not be difficult for 2021 to be better because 2020 has been awful um but again like previously he had talked about like the resiliency he saw and stuff like that so um it was a really good speech it was great um, and so with that, we are going to move on to the Christmas Day speeches after we take a quick break and listen if we have any sponsors. So we've made it to Christmas Day. Uh, these speeches were um, pretty run-of-the-mill, uh, which I hate saying, but, like, they were. Um, they weren't highly anticipated, other than Queen Elizabeth's. Hers is always highly anticipated. Um, and then we also had, on Christmas Day, King Willem Alexander and King Carl Gustav giving their speeches to their countrymen. So we'll start with Queen Elizabeth. Um, so her speech came out of embargo at 3 p.m. all across the U.K., and online so that for me was what 10 I think um there was nothing preceding the speech other than like a quick fanfare um so Queen Elizabeth was the shortest speech at about five and a half minutes um obviously again focused on the pandemic um with an emphasis on the sadness about not gathering um so she talked about of course you know we can't gather during christmas um but also th throughout this year many other religions including christians have um found ways to <laughs> adapt um to holding their holidays so she mentioned um passover uh, Diwali, which is a Hindu holiday, and like so many others, um, Eid, um, which I 
don't think it's its own holiday. It very well could be. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm not perfectly cultured, but I, I truly think like Eid is two different time frames, but I could be wrong. Um, I don't want to be insensitive, so I will preface that I'm, I'm probably wrong. Um, she has staff and researchers and everyone to make sure she gets it right. So, um, that was, you know, obviously the, the starting point of her message. Um, she, this always gets a lot of attention from Elizabeth because she usually has several pictures, um, of her family. And to this year it was, um, just one picture of Prince Philip beside her from probably like 20, maybe even 30 years ago. Um, so I, I thought that was notable. Other royals really didn't have that many photos around them. Um, King Felipe did in Spain. He had a picture of him and his daughter, Princess Leonor. Um, but that was the only other person that I think had pictures. Um, maybe Carl Gustav. We'll see. He's down the script a little bit. Um, and then she went in to talk about hope. Um, she shared the parable of the Good Samaritan that can be found in the Bible. Um, she also talked about the 100th anniversary of the Tomb of the Unknown Warrior at Westminster Abbey, um, where she intentionally connected that to the ability to put others before ourselves, again, in a time of a pandemic where younger, healthier people ideally are putting people they may see ahead of themselves, you know, their grandparents, etc., I know that's something, like, I'm not always perfect about, but, like, I do try and, like, if I've, you know, experienced any COVID exposure or have any kind of symptoms of COVID, like, I will not see my grandmother for two weeks. Um, even if, you know, I've, I've been tested and I've been negative, like, I still am like, mm, just to be on the safe side. Um, you know, just making sure, like, other people and, like, the country are before themselves, um, so Elizabeth tied the unknown warrior to that because he was willing to sacrifice for a better Britain. Um, I've listened or read all seven of these now, and I will say Queen Elizabeth was the most based in the Christian religion of them all. Look, this is not, this is nothing more than an acknowledgement of that, um, like I said, she did mention a lot of other religious holidays from other religions and other cultures. Um, but Queen Elizabeth has never made a secret about how she is in her faith. And like as the head of the Church of England, I think she is well within her right. Also, it was Christmas. People talk about Christmas because it is the celebration in a formed down to its very core being, it is a celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. Believe that, don't believe that. That is what Christmas was. I know that secular people celebrate Christmas all over the world because it has been made the norm. Um, you know, I, I get that. So I just wanted to briefly mention, though, that hers was based the most in religion, um, which is not a fault, and it was not surprising. Um, whatsoever, but I thought it was interesting nonetheless. Um, and then her address ended 
and we went to like a shot, a new shot of um, some members of the NHS choirs. So the National Health Service has a choir um, that were stationed socially distanced in um, Windsor Castle. I think it was Windsor. Um, it was a, like a very long hallway. Um, and they sang the, the carol, Joy to the World. And that was the end of her broadcast. I think the whole thing was like 15 minutes long. Um, but this is something that people like wait around on on Christmas Day um, is let's listen to the Queen and then we'll do, um, you know, presents or whatever you have. Um, so I think that was just a really great way of like ending this really odd year's Christmas. Um, and so with that, we're going to move on now to King Willem Alexander's address um, to the people of the Netherlands. So Willem Alexander's speech started in the most different way. Um, he started his address with a like monologue of stories that he has heard um, throughout his working visits um, all this year. So obviously he and Queen Maxima have been um, visiting lots of different sectors affected by the pandemic as every other monarch has. Um, and he just, in the speech he gave, really shared some of those stories that he heard from you know, small business owners or healthcare workers or um, senior citizens in senior care facilities. Um, all of that. So I thought that was like a really interesting way to start it. Um, really more poetic than everyone else's so far. Um, and then of course, look again, COVID, like everybody of course is going to talk about COVID this year because it's so specific to the world. Um, so he talked about that, but he had more of a like <laughs> due to his situation through the year he had more of a like um what is the word that I want to use um he really focused on the fact that life is not black and white um there are nuances in the world and like some of the joy and beauty of life are found is found in that gray area. Um, he talked about how, you know, if someone doesn't agree with you in now's time, they become your enemy, which is accurate. It's an accurate representation, right? I mean, I don't know that it's, I, I know it's not the right way to do things, but it's the easier way to do things um, is if, okay, someone, disagrees with me I'm I'm I can't talk to this person um I can't be friends with this person I have tr trouble relating to this person um and so like he talked about like don't fall into that trap and don't you know negate someone from your life in any way shape or form because they don't agree with you on you know an issue not that the issue isn't important but like have those conversations, find the, the beauty and the compromise or whatever. Um, I think it was really great. Um, he spoke of forgiveness 
And in that, he shared a passage from the um, book of Corinthians in the Bible um, that is kind of, I know it as like the wedding Bible verse. You hear it at every wedding, um, but it's the love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy. And that's all I know from memory. Um, and so he talked about those um, and like this this beauty of forgiveness and all of that, which you know, knowing the year that he's had and the, again, we'll talk about this more tomorrow in like the 2020 review episode. Um, You know, it's just like, I like that he talked about it. Um, And then um, he ended his speech about um, light returning which is, um, again, based in, like, the Christian faith of Jesus is the light. And so when he was born on Christmas Day, um, the light returned to the world. Um, And so, you know, using Christmas as a metaphor for (laughs) the fact that there is a light at the end of this horrible year that we have all lived through together. Um, So with that... That was his speech. It was about six and a half minutes long. And now we are moving on to the uh, speech that King Carl Gustav gave um, in Sweden. King Carl Gustav's speech was actually um, a lot different than I expected it to be. So the broadcast came from um, Drottingholm Castle, which is his primary residence. Uh, He and Queen Sylvia primarily reside there, not in the Royal Palace in Stockholm. Um, But that's, you know, that's where their offices are is in the Royal Palace. And so that's usually where the Christmas broadcast is done. And um, for the first time, I think probably of his 30 plus, oh gosh, it's probably, I don't quite know how long he's been on the throne. It's been a long time. Um, 45-ish years, um, the broadcast was done from Drotting Home um, because of the pandemic. Um, And so his speech was the most surprising in that, yes, it was focused on COVID, but it was really well-crafted in this, like, conversation about tradition and um, using drawing home as like and the change of tradition as like a catalyst for how different 2020 has been um and so he talked about like some of his childhood traditions and um how you know this year children aren't experiencing their normal traditions because we're living in the pandemic um he talked about Uh, responsibilities that each citizen has taken during this pandemic. Um, I think people were maybe expecting a little bit more of a, not a cynical note, but like, um, a, a little bit different because he recently, um, he didn't come under fire or anything, but he talked about the failure of Sweden in the way they handled the pandemic. And the prime minister understands, like, Sweden 
took a different approach um, in which they thought the best way to do this would be herd immunity. And it turned out it wasn't. Um, And a lot of Swedes lost their lives to COVID because of the way this was done, but also because it's COVID. Um, And so it was a really good balance of how people in Sweden were feeling. You know, their traditions are hopefully not happening because of the pandemic and protection, um, but also like this year has been hard. Um, And Swedish citizens didn't make the choice to rely on herd immunity. Um, Their government did. And so there's a lot of frustration and hurt and grief right now. Um, And so I think like the way Carl Gustav talked about the change in tradition in his life and also like the responsibility that people hold to each other, I think is really, it was a really different, cool way of doing so. Um, And so that covers the Christmas Day speeches. I know this is getting really long, um, but we only have Christmas Day or New Year's Eve to go. So that's what we're going to go into um, right after another quick break if we have any sponsors. Final stretch, we are covering the speeches from, for me, today, um, the New Year's Eve speeches from Queen Margrethe in Denmark and King Harald in Norway. Um, So I don't know why the, um, these two do New Year's Eve versus Christmas, but that's okay. It doesn't matter. Um, It definitely falls into, like, what is their country's um, traditions now at this point? So... I think it's great. Um, Also, it, you know, gave me plenty to do today, which was awesome. So um, we are going to start with Queen Margrethe's speech. Um, So she is, from what I can tell, the only monarch who delivers her speech live. Um, At least that I talk about. So it went live at around 6 p.m. Um, I think it was like 6 p.m. and maybe 6.01 or something. Um, on New Year's Eve, it was broadcast on all of the state-run um, media, which is, of course, like, I think I should preface this. If you're from the States, we think of state-run media as a bad thing. Um, it's not, actually. It's kind of like PBS is... Um, The public broadcasting network has government financial support um, and they like present the information that way. Um, It's not that the government has a ton of control. It's just the government finances it to make sure that people are able to get access to quality news. Um, Most of the time there are countries who use it wrongly like Russia and China and other countries as well but for the most part Europeans countries use it well um 
So I just wanted to like preface that. Um, so Margaretha's speech started by talking about um, how we went into 2020 with such high, high expectations. Um, you know, it's funny. I actually didn't go into 2020 with high expectations. Um, it started a few days later. Um, there was like a catalyst moment in my life that was like, start living your life, um, start doing and trying for the things that you want. Um, and that was, I, th- I can't remember the exact day that that happened, but when it happened, it was like, I was going to do everything I wanted. And it like, that's when it started. Um, so shortly after, like within the next two days, I started this podcast, um, and just really started, but that's not how I started 2020. I just went like, okay, here's some things that I maybe want to do in 2020. Um, but there was never like a focused way to do it. And here we are now. It's like, okay, (laughs) wow. Um, but that catalyst moment for me was really important. Um, but you know, again, we went into 2020 or we started 2020 with really strong expectations of what this (laughs) year would bring us. Um, and what we could do with it. And instead we got a global pandemic that started in March. Um, and so it was not what we hoped for. It was not what we expected. Um, and so I like (laughs) that Margaretha just acknowledged that this year, like, let us down. Um, in a way, you know, I always hear like, gosh, every year is going to be better than the last, but I, I also feel like going into 2021, there's this sense of like, yeah, it's probably going to be better than 2020 because, because we handled 2020, like we, we got through it. Um, you know, there's, there's some strength in the resiliency that we've all demonstrated this year. Um, and so I like the way Margaretha kind of went through the year, um, in the year of COVID. So, You know, she started by saying, like, in March we got, you know, in March COVID came to Europe. I think that was in February. But, like, she went through everything. Um, She talked about the continuing restrictions that the Danish people have while they kind of wait for this return to life as we knew it. Which, I don't know that it'll ever be that, but, like the t- the day when we can hug each other again or you know whatever that moment is where it's like we're no longer living in complete and total fear of covid um or not even fear but like we want to be so protective um we want to be very safe we want to be very cautious we want to protect those around us like i think it was awesome um and then she talked about how a lot of things got canceled which oh my gosh in denmark there were so many things that got canceled um you know, specifically, I think one of the most important events to me, I mean, the Olympics were pretty important to me this year, but um, also, like, I was so excited for Margaretha's 80th birthday. Um, that was the first thing, like, in terms of this podcast and royal watching that I was, like, really intensely bummed out about. Um, so her 80th birthday and the galas and everything, um, was canceled, obviously, because it was in April. Um, 
But then she talked about like how special her birthday was anyway. She's um, she said like never before did I feel so celebrated um, because we found different ways. The world found different ways to celebrate, um, to celebrate her birthday. You know, the, again, we'll talk about this more tomorrow, but I would say like the highlight of 2020 in terms of royal watching for me was the video that every European royal made to send Margrethe for her 80th birthday. Like, I mean, come on, it was perfect. Um, and so I just think like she focused on all of that really, really well. Um, and then she ended it. This was by far one of my favorites. King Felipe's is probably still a little bit better to me because it was so honest. Um, but Margaretha ended with saying, today we say goodbye to a strange year. We will not forget 2020. <laughs> Which is just so true. Um, this year has been strange. I am <laughs> ready to be on the other side of it. Like I said, I'm about six hours away still, so, um, but I'm ready to be in the new year. Um, and it was just a strange, strange year. So I'm, you know, recording this now and then I'm going to have my personal reflection time of 2020, um, as soon as I get this uploaded and ready to post, um, for you all. So that was the Danish speech and now it is finally time to end with the final speech of the year uh, from King Harald of Norway um, that he gave this evening. So King Harald started his speech. Um, there was like a little prelude and I don't know how I have lived. I noticed it once, but I didn't think anything of it. I've lived through this entire year of this podcast and never known that there's a specific song for like the monarch in Norway. It's called the King's Song, but it's the same tune and a lot of the same lyrics just translated to God Save the Queen. I was so confused when Harald's, Harald's speech came on because I was like, wait a minute, what? Um. So, yep. Yeah. There is a song in Norway called The King's Song, and it is literally basically God Save the Queen, but in Norwegian. Um, so I noticed it once at, like, the opening of Parliament, but I didn't think anything of it. I just was like, well, that's really weird. Um, but, like, I didn't recognize until tonight when I, like, looked into it a little bit further. Um... So that was an interesting little tidbit. Um, but then, let's see. Okay, so King Harald was in black tie, which is like my hands-down favorite outfit of all of these speeches. Um, you know, one, let's talk about like there's, there isn't a whole lot of variation when you see men in suits. Um, and Queen Elizabeth and Queen Margaretha, I was like let down by their choice of outfits. But that's fine, because Harald was in black tie, which meant like a black bow tie and a suit and a tux. It was great. So happy. Um, but he started his speech. So unfortunately, yesterday, um, there was a landslide in Norway in Gerdom. Uh, that was a very French way of saying that. But um, 
in this town in Norway. So he started his speech by sending condolences um, to the people in that town. Um, he talked a lot about, again, the year of cancellations. Um, Norway is another country that has just been through a lot this year, um, like a lot. Um, it's been a really painful year for Norway, and then King Harald has had a significant amount of health problems. Um, and then also, like, there was a global pandemic. Um, so it was, of course, just, like, a really tough year. Um, and one thing that, like, is harder for a lot of people to remember, um... And I've only talked about it, you know, a couple of times on this podcast throughout the year is that King Harald, his childhood, it, it's not that it was traumatic. I mean, it was, but he lived through a war. Um, he was literally a refugee um, during the Second World War. Um, he and his mother and his sister came and they lived in the U.S., um, why Norway was being, um, invaded by Nazis. And so that's a very defining moment for him, of course. Um, and what he talked about is he receives letters, of course, every monarch does, um, about all of this. And in one of the letters, a child asked him if he was a hundred, um, and he said, well, I, well, I'm not, um, I, I've lived a lot and I've seen a lot of things. And the one thing I know is we'll get through this. Um, and I think he hasn't had the opportunity because of his health this year and also a pandemic and his age and just kind of all of that. He hasn't had too many times to show his genuine connection to these issues um, and like the way people are feeling. But he has always been the monarch who can connect with it the best. Um, he was the first one out of the gate with speeches about the pandemic um, where he addressed people's fears um, when he, when it was safe to do so, you know, in that temporary window we had of like, a lower amount of cases. It was, you know, in Europe, it was a, a dip um, before the second wave. Um, he met with younger people or teenagers. Um, and, you know, kids said, you know, it's just, it's hard. We can't hug people. And like, that's really stupid. And he said, you know, he didn't... <laughs> According to the reports, he didn't talk about it being stupid or calling it any names, but, like, he just connected with them and let them be mad because sometimes it's okay to be mad about 2020. Um, I don't get mad very often. I get really sad about it a lot. Um, and I get really nervous about it way more than I should. But, you know, he just gave people the, the space to have their feelings about COVID, um, which is so, so important. Um, and something like, as a person in the States, 
I don't feel like my head of state gave me the opportunity to be mad about that. He wanted me to be mad about other things, but not not about the pandemic or the way the pandemic was affecting my life. Um, like there wasn't a safe place to have those feelings. Um, and so I had to create my own, which was fine. I'm able to do that. But like some people didn't know how. Um, and I think like Harold really knew to connect with people that way. Um, he also mentioned in his speech, and I think he might've been the only one to do so about, um, like kids graduating from high school or college in like this moment. Um, my high school graduation was not important to me whatsoever. My college graduation was the most important thing to me, probably the most important event in my life so far. Um, and like, it was 10 years, it wasn't 10 years ago, it was six years ago, but like, I got to experience it and I got to enjoy it. And like, I know people who are graduating, um, who graduated in 2020, who were just, it was hard because they didn't get to celebrate. Um, they didn't get that moment that like, I will remember the rest of my life. Um, and I know a lot of people graduating this in 2021 who are very nervous that they won't be able to experience graduation. Um, and it is this like super defining moment. And so he, I think is the only monarch who mentioned them, um, and like congratulated them and acknowledged their achievement, um, in their like annual speech. So he just, he got the mark on like how to be a head of state in a pandemic, um, especially when people haven't seen you a lot this year because it's a pandemic and he's old and he's had health problems all year. Um, so I just like, I thought it was really great. Um, I also think that he will be experiencing his 30th anniversary on the throne in the next couple of weeks. Um, and I think that's like, he mentioned that very briefly. I think that's when that happens. Um, it's just like a really... It was a really good speech, and I was very happy for it. Um, and so that brings us to the end of the year speeches. It brings us to the end of the year. So um, thank you so much. I will talk to you all tomorrow where we'll do a much more in-depth 2020 um, review. Um, part of my like personal review um, is going to be, you know, over this podcast would have been some of my highlights through the year, what are some big moments, um, that each royal family has experienced, um, and that's what tomorrow is going to be, so we're going to move into that, um, and I wish you all a very, very happy new year, and I will talk to you all tomorrow. Bye!